Welcome to Season 2 of the Adopted Brothers Podcast. This season, we will be sharing stories that will make you laugh, cry, but most of all, be encouraged. Let's get started. Hi, this is Craig. And this is Gerald. Welcome to the Adopted Brothers Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest who is a published author, podcast host, and passionate advocate for foster care and adoption. Marcy, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us what your favorite comfort food is? <laughs> sure. Hi, listeners. Glad to be here. I'm Marcy Bursack. I adopted siblings to the foster care system. And through a stimulus payment, when we all got those during the pandemic, I created a nonprofit where I now recruit and coach other families to do what I did, which is to adopt kids that are waiting in the foster care system. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that. My favorite comfort food, I tend to lean towards Oreos. And when I say comfort food and Oreos, I really mean by the bag. Like they're so good. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. they are. <laughs> Craig, how about you? What's your favorite comfort food? My favorite comfort food, I think would have to be chicken fried steak with Ooh. mashed potatoes. No, oh, that's, that's a good one. Mine's going to be uh, cinnamon rolls. Um, oh, <laughs> oh <man>. yeah, <laughs> and I know someone that makes really good cinnamon. I do too, right? Sitting right next to me. <laughs> oh, I'm only the helper, it's your sister, Marcy. Tell us a little bit about the, the books that you've done. Yeah, so I've published two so far. I have a third coming out in November. Uh, the first one, the first and the third really are intended for adults, uh, called the Forgotten Adoption Option. Is the first, the one coming out is called What to Know when you adopt through foster care. And they're a resource. It's really complicated. Uh, maybe some of your listeners <laughs> have done this. Like you Google adoption and you see big price tags and you see a lot of confusion and you're like, I can't make sense of this. The foster care space, because it's a government program, there's not really like one exact start to finish guide to follow. And that was my challenge when I went through the process. It took my husband and I five years to figure out how in the world do you do this thing to adopt kids domestically that are not infants? And so I just wrote that process down. I was already coaching families in my home that came. They were friends of friends that would say, hey, my my neighbor, my brother, they want to do this too. Teach them RC. And so just scaled that by writing it down. So it's an audiobook, an ebook, and paperback. Um, the one coming out in November, what to know when you adopt through foster care, what's happened is as I've been coaching families there, there is this kind of sense people are constantly worried about different things or encountering different behaviors. There's just a lot when you're dealing with kids who have more of a story that, that have been alive for a while, right? They've gone through things. And so this is a compilation. They're all anonymous stories. They're real stories. They're people that I know. Uh, we all wrote our stories down uh, to share with you things about parenting styles, how to get through the licensing process, maybe different behaviors you might be facing. So that's coming out in paperback and ebook. And then just uh, in 2022, in May, which is National Foster Care Month, I published a children's book. So excited about this. It's called Are You a Forever Family? And it's just that. It questions you as the reader. I've had a lot of families reading this together, and the, the responses have been so sweet just to see that adoptive families can be anyone, and they are everywhere. And this particular book also has a program that I've brought into elementary schools. It started in Missouri in 2023. It's going to be going national, uh, where teachers teach a lesson using the book and really help kids celebrate that diversity aspect that, hey, I'm adopted or I know someone adopted and I can be aware that that's a unique thing that makes people different, but it's also something that we should celebrate and their families created by it. And man, that's worth celebrating too. So those are the three books out there in the sphere right now. I do have an app as well called the Forgotten Adoption Option. Uh, it's at ForgottenAdoptionOption.app. And that's just a free way to help people get started on this journey to really discern, is this the right path for them? 
That's really awesome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Thanks. I was adopted as a baby. So to hear that you went out and adopted a sibling group that was older is just amazing because not a lot of people are willing to do that. You know, I have found it's interesting that you say that because my husband and I were like, Hi, I wonder how many people choose adoption as their plan A. Because, you know, a lot of us, I think, think, oh, infertility is really what motivates people to adopt. And I would say it does, but it's not the majority by any means. There's there's so many stories, right? There's I know someone that was adopted. There's I've always wanted to do this after having biological children. And there are quite a few of us across the country that I've met so far that we were like, I don't want to have biological children. So for me, I had served in an orphanage in Eastern Europe and spent a lot of time with teen girls and was very mad. I was angry that to learn that kind of what was next for them after they aged out of that orphanage was going to be going into prostitution. And the boys that were there, what was next for them was criminal activity. And I, I came back to the States going like, how is this okay? <laughs> like, why is this okay that we know this is the future for these people? Like, this is not okay. And so when my husband and I were dating and our relationship got serious and I said, I don't want to have biological children. Like I saw a need. I want to go help kids like this. And he said, well, actually, I want to adopt too. And I thought, I thought you were going to break up with me, right? <laughs> and he said, well, well, this is why. He said, my grandfather was born in the 1920s, Sam, and Grandpa Sam had two older siblings. And when Sam was seven, his parents both died of pneumonia. And this is like such a different time in the healthcare space. Like that doesn't typically happen nowadays, right? But at that time, there just wasn't a way to heal from pneumonia. And so what happens is Sam's two older siblings are older, they can help, they're a bit more uh, compliant. And so they're adopted by a family to help on their farm. And Sam, who was seven, a little rough around the edges, had gone through all this trauma, all this loss, right? No one ever took him in. And so Sam grew up on the streets and Sam got involved in things that he wasn't proud of later in life, but he really figured out his way and created a family. And so my husband said, I've always wanted to adopt someone like my grandfather who never got that opportunity. So we kind of compromised with, we want to adopt older kids for sure. But my husband said, but they've got to be in the United States. And so that's kind of what started our journey in that space. That's awesome. That really is inspiring. Yeah, that's very amazing. I've never gotten to meet Grandpa Sam. That's like, I have pictures and I get to hear little bits and pieces of his story. Apparently he used to like knock on doors and some people would be really kind, kind of like in the movies you see, like they'll give bread, like those kinds of things were true. But to grow up without a roof, right? To grow up without a family, to me, like what grit he must have had to keep going day to day. Oh yeah, that that takes a lot of persistence and determination to live and fend for yourself. Yeah. That's just amazing. And thank you for bringing that story to us. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me share. So I know you do work for the Dave Thomas Foundation. Can you, talk, can you talk a little bit to us about that? Well, so I don't formally work for them. I am an, yeah. an ambassador, right, for the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Essentially, I help let people know about things like their adoption-friendly workplace benefits. So being able to help your employer get on board with providing adequate benefits that are similar to paternity leave, maternity leave, but really for adoption leave. But uh, through that, really what happened is when my family and I, we had about an 18 month journey from meeting our kids. We were licensed to adopt through foster care, which some of your listeners might be like, hold on, what? Like we we had no intention to ever foster. Our, our intention was we want to find kids that need permanency and we want to be their permanent family. And so what was supposed to take four months took 18. And in that process, we actually, before we even had our kids in our home, we found the Dave Thomas Foundation. And at the time, neither of our employers had any sort of like leave 
when you adopt and they have wonderful tools and templates where you can like tailor it and customize and show your employer like this is what I'm asking for. And we're very fortunate. My husband's an educator. His district was like, of course, you can have time off. Like, of course, we want to adjust to this. And I went to my boss at the time. My boss and her husband had actually adopted an infant. So they were like ready to just do anything they could to help us have any kind of support that we needed. So that's kind of where I met the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. And then as we were finalizing our adoption, and I actually took the approach that I never shared a photo of my children online, like on social, because while we were kind of waiting for the legal process to flush out, uh, some people love putting emojis over their kids' faces. I don't, primarily because if it was me, I think I would be like, that face. Like, I I'm not just like ears and like a body, like I'm not a stick figure, like I'm a person. So I waited with our kids and our very first family photo, the Dave Thomas Foundation shared to celebrate our forever family, uh, our adoption day. And so through that, it's been an incredible partnership. I have actually partnered with them in very unique ways. The most recent was in 2022. So I actually live in Missouri. And one of the things that's on my heart in this space is to help kind of shift the brand of foster care and foster care adoption. And what I mean by that is sometimes I hear, sometimes I hear this kind of negative connotation, like, oh, those kids, this, this is challenging, or I don't want to go that route. And some people use the word damage. I don't like that word at all. And I'm really trying to shift the narrative around the hope and the beautiful opportunities we have to help children that are waiting in foster care to be adopted. And so a wild idea. Uh, as I was leaving for vacation, I'm like going to bed and I'm ready. I'm like packed, ready to go. And it's like inside of me, my heart was like, you need to go Google pageantry. And I was like, no, 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 like wrong number. Like I, what? Like I don't do that. And so I couldn't fall asleep because that little voice was like, no, like you need to go Google this. And so short of a long story, I ended up crowned United States of America's Mrs. Ohio 2022 because I was able to represent the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, who's based in Ohio. So I went to nationals in Vegas last year. I took away People's Choice and placed in the top 16. And actually, right as I came back, I had a, a week of margin because I was like, well, just in case I win, I need to like be ready for whatever those responsibilities and duties are and have margin in my life. And I didn't need that for a national title. And instead, inside my heart came the words of this children's book, like they literally came out of my mouth. So I found myself that very next week after nationals, using the voice memo on my phone as these words, I'm telling my husband, like, there needs to be a book like this. And it just came out of my heart. And so um, I've done quite a few things with them. Uh, in that regard, Rita Sornan, their CEO has been on my podcast, the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast twice as well. She talks about the wonderful work that they're doing and then has a special episode specifically on their adoption friendly benefits. That's amazing. Yeah, that story is uh, definitely inspiring. <laughs> Pretty wild. I can't, I mean, I never, yeah, ever, I never, ever thought I'd be in a swimsuit, nevertheless, in five inch heels in front of people. But you know, when you're, you know, your why, you know, what you're doing it for, I think. I learned a lot about stepping out of my comfort zone and just going with it. I'm like, I, I knew when I signed up for this, why I was doing it. And I don't think I understood kind of the, the job criteria, if you will, like all those responsibilities. But I was like, okay, I guess I just have to go learn skills and it's worth it because these kids deserve to be seen and to be seen in a, in a very positive light. And I really want to help further that. That's amazing. Yeah. We both, Jerry and I both stepped out of our comfort zones by starting this podcast. And here you are, you're season yes. two. Isn't season that amazing? Two. Yeah, it yes. really is. <laughs> here we are, two two little guys just running a little podcast and 
getting to share amazing stories with people. Yeah, exactly. And was yeah. one of you more like ready than the other one? I don't maybe ready, but I guess just more um I guess excited to I guess to share your story. It's very therapeutic to do that. Mm. So I, I definitely the time that we were starting the um podcast, just going through a lot of stuff. So it definitely just helped you know, it helped myself as well as trying to help listeners. So yeah, it was big. I, I think Jerry was more excited to start it and I just said, Okay. <laughs> right. We'll do this. <laughs> you weren't the no guy. Like, no, these are all the reasons why we should not. <laughs> no, I was more like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And then once we started doing it a little bit and researching some things, then I became the guy that was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> and both him and my wife, Anna, have had to kind of reel me back a little bit and say, hey, let's focus here first. And then we can go here and then here. <laughs> the spirit of an entrepreneur. Get- yeah, you've got ideas. <laughs> Too many ideas trying to go at one time. There are worse problems to have, yes. you know, that, that's, a, that's a good attribute. Like you can curve that one in. Yeah. And we've, we've narrowed it down pretty good for what we do. We just, we both just want to help people and hear their stories. For us, we've both gone through so much through adoption and that we know there's other people out there that, that have gone through the same thing or starting to go through that same thing. And we want them to know that there there is hope and you can make it through it all. Yeah, for sure. Give us our the testimony and letting them know that we've been through a lot of the stuff that they've been through. There is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel for sure. Yeah, they're not alone by any means. How old are your children that you adopted? So at the time, so my kids at the time were, my daughter was a week from being three and my son was four and the adoption was finalized as my son was going into kindergarten. So he was five. My daughter was four and now they're in middle school. So I've got a 13 year old and a 12 year old who in very sweet ways are involved in the work that I do. Um, My very first book on the back where there's an author photo, I felt very strongly that like, this isn't really my story. Like this is our family story in here, like how to become a family. And so I went to my kids and I said, Hey, how do you feel about having your face on my book? Like we haven't really really been public about you guys being adopted. And so how, how does that feel? And my son at the time, he was maybe like seven or eight. He looked at me and he said, mom, maybe he's a little bit older than that. Cause I'm thinking all the ages through, he was probably closer to like nine, 10, but regardless, he said, well, mom, if I say yes, do you think it's going to help another kid? And my eyes teared up and I looked at him and I was like, yeah, got buddy. Like, yeah, I, I do. I do think if people can see what an adoptive family looks like and realizes, oh, that's like everyone else I know or other people, they look just like normal people. You know, it, it just really helps dispel so much. And so it's been really sweet to be able to do this journey together and to be able to share our story. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad for that. But it, that is really big. And that's, it's huge to, it, you know, as you're learning to in the journey, you know, we're all in different spots to bring your family in, um, in that type of aspect of kind of you, like, like we're doing now using people's stories and just kind of different ways of how they see it to share insights on how to do it I mean, their way, or kind of just to show it, uh, to do it kind of an easier way, just from the testimony that they have. And that's cool from how you said your son did that, because that's just huge for him to know, to help in somebody from just, you know, having his face on a book, something like that is, is really cool. Yeah. Did you, do you all remember in your childhood, like what age you were when you started talking about your own adoption story? Like, was it a pretty private thing to you? Uh, Yeah. um, For, for, for myself, I really, that was kind of, like I said, we're we're on different journeys. We, 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 for the most part, really didn't talk about my adoption. I was, you know, interracial um, in, in my adoption, as I said, in the other podcasts. So it was kind of, you kind of knew 
just you know that that was adopted but it took a while for for Ash to actually talk about it and I want to say it was probably until I was at least 15 16 where we really had that conversation kind of what happened and and, uh, that I was adopted and for myself I kind of think that was probably too long but it was just you know, everybody's learning and think and people do things differently. But it was yeah, definitely something that I just did with my mom or you know, just my, my mom or my dad. It was personable. And I guess now that you 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 you're saying that type of stuff, I kinda wish it was more of a family thing of everybody being there. And I think that probably would have been I don't know, more of not feeling so much different. Because I think that's a big thing for myself is just in the situation always feeling different. And then that uses, you know, everything else to start triggering. So I think that would have helped. And then for me, I was told when I was about five years old, my parents told me and the reason they told me when I was so young was because of my great uncle had they adopted a son and they didn't tell him till he was 18. And it kind of brought a lot of different emotions and it really impacted their family roughly. And so my great uncle told my mom and dad, hey, you need to tell him as young as you can, maybe about five years old. My parents told me and I was like, oh, okay. It it didn't really bother me because I'm an only child in my adoptive family and I kind of look like them. It's pretty crazy how similar we look. But then I got in trouble as I was starting to get a little bit older because I'd go to school and tell people I was adopted and they'd be like, no, you're not. You look just like your mom and dad. And I'd go, you want to bet? <laughs> and I'd bet him like a dollar. And then finally my mom found out and she was like, no, you need to quit doing that. I was like, but it's a way for me to make money as a kid. And I did know a couple of other kids that were adopted because my parents were part of the same adoption group. So that kind of helped out a little bit too, getting to hang out with other kids that were adopted. Kind of normalized. Yeah. That's interesting because Jerry, as you're talking through like feeling different, I've had a number of families in the past few years of my work that have called, you know, confided in me and said, hey, I actually even it was even a child they had not even just infant adoption, because it sounds like, okay, well, you can kind of hide that a little bit differently. But there were people that their family story was they had met their child so young through the foster care system and adoption occurred, but the child had no idea of their backstory. And it's interesting unpacking that with adults of like, you need to tell them like I, I am such a proponent of it's so important to know our stories. And it's so important to just have the truth. Um, I saw in my own childhood, I have a sister that has a different dad. And that wasn't told to her until she was in like high school. And I saw this spiral come out of that. So it might kind of influence why I care so like deeply about just being open about it. And it's interesting, just in case any of your listeners are in that situation, they know someone that like they know they're adopted, but no one else knows or they're worried about like, how do you even go through that? I just want to encourage your listeners that you you don't have to be afraid. And if you are, because many of us are right, like maybe we're afraid the kid won't love us anymore, they'll be mad at us or anything in between. But to to understand that it's really your mindset of I'm giving them a gift to know their whole story. And I'm going to be able to help them unpack that. And I think especially in the foster care adoption space, when you're dealing with kids, I mean, anyone that's adopted has a biological family, right? But when you're dealing in just adopting a child in general, you really have to understand that your role as the parent is to help your child thrive. And and part of thriving is helping them know who they are and where they came from. And that's more than one family. And I think it's really beautiful. I've been able to help a few families even role play that out where I've pretended to be the parent talking to them and I pretended to be the child responding and just making it an open ongoing dialogue. I just really want to encourage your listeners in, in that particular topic that it's 
such a healthy gift you can give someone the earlier. And it sometimes needs to be age appropriate, right? You're going to tell a five-year-old something different than you're going to tell a 10-year-old because they can understand things differently. But I think it just really helps people live a life of the whole selves. Yes, I, I agree with that. That's that's a really good thing to do. Yes, and I, I 100% agree with that. It just makes it, like you said, you grow and, and you do find out who you are. Even if it is at five and, and you don't get maybe the full story, it's definitely a start. Um, and that was my thing is just, like I said through past episodes as well, is just being able to start at a starting point and as well as just knowing you're different and knowing that that's okay and just taking that time. I, I just think that that's huge. And I really appreciate you saying that uh, to the listeners because that is something you shouldn't be afraid of. Because I know just even with myself, I sometimes get scared on, on the other end of uh, being the adoptee uh, when I was a kid and even now at, at points to ask certain questions just because it wasn't brought up as a kid. So you're not very comfortable with it if it would have been brought up at a different time. Mm, that's so good. And if anyone, if anyone listening, like wants to practice that, like I'm here to help you work through that. Because to your point, Jerry, too, like we don't have to be afraid, but sometimes it's the fear that gets in the way, right? Like we can tell the fear, like I should really be afraid of this, but it's just there sometimes getting in the way of helping us do the right thing. Yes. Yeah. And for me, I had that fear growing up. Like I wanted to know about my birth family. But I had that fear of disappointing my adoptive family by wanting to find my birth family. But it's it's okay. And I've the older I've gotten, the more I realize it's okay when you're the adoptee to want to know about your birth family because that's where you came from. So there's a story there that you need to to find. And it's helped me so much because last year is when I finally found my birth mom and found out I had two sisters. And so now it's it's learning how to deal with them and their little intricacies of their lives and trying to mesh my life with their life and my adoptive parents' lives and trying to blend it all together and coming out with a whole new story. The new adventure. Yes. And it, it is a really big new adventure. Do you think you wanted, to, like, if you could have had time earlier in life, would you have wanted to know that? information earlier and found people earlier? Yes. I, I knew growing up that I wanted to because it's it's weird for me. I know not all adoptees think this way, but this is just how my brain worked it out when I was a kid that I would see a car driving down the street and go, I wonder if that's my birth parents right there or go out to dinner. Hey, maybe my birth parents are going to be here when in reality, they were nowhere near here anymore. I was, I was born in Colorado and both of my birth parents went their separate ways right after I was born. One went to, I think it was North North Carolina or South Carolina. And one went to like Texas. So they both went totally different directions. And here I was here. And just to know things, because growing up, you know, some of the things that you, you want to know are important. Like even like medical things that can be really important. And, you know, I didn't find out till last year if I, if there was something in my family on either side that could be hereditary and being a father now with five kids, I wanted to know earlier. So that way we could be prepared if something came out with our kids. So we could be like, okay, this is where it comes from. We can kind of see how it goes. But I would recommend for people to try and find out earlier so you can be more prepared as you start getting older as an adult. And I would say in the foster care adoption space, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but I think there's different views on this, right? In fact, in my new book, 
what to know when you adopt through foster care, different families share about a closed adoption versus an open adoption. You're like really maintaining that communication with the biological family and not. In my situation, we are not maintaining contact with the biological family for our children. And that story is my kid's story and what's going on there. But in general, like my kids are aware that they're adopted. They've gotten um to see photos of things they 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 have a sense of self in that but we've talked about you know when you're maybe high school or early 20s like if that's on your heart that you want to reconnect let's do that but in the meantime you're somewhere stable and safe and that's the most important thing right now so i think sometimes it can vary by scenarios i know other families that have adapted through foster care that they are in constant interaction with the biological family because in that situation it was really healthy and it made a lot of sense so it gets a little tricky sometimes on what that kind of connection looks like but i completely agree with what you're saying that from like a medical background ideally it's so great to understand what's hereditary what should i be watching out for and even like a mental health situation you know like what what things have happened in my family of origin that can really help inform how i understand what to be aware of and to watch out for oh yeah and when I was younger, it wasn't like, oh, I, I want to just go with my birth family. I want to you know do with them. It was just my my point of view was exactly that. I wanted to know just where I came from, just like this, my family tree. You know, going through school when you do your family tree, it's, it's kind of difficult because you're like, okay, well, here's one side of me. That's my adoption side. But here's the other side of me, my birth side, and I know really nothing. So it was it was a little rough to kind of go through that because my adoption was a closed adoption. And here in Colorado, what they did is if you were born after 1988, your adoption records were unsealed and you could just get access to them to kind of find out all the things. Well, since I was born way before 1988... Mine was still sealed and it didn't happen until the last couple of years where they changed that. And that's how I was able to kind of find out my whole story and also doing the ancestry DNA test. It linked me to all these people that I had no idea who they were. And poof, here's a bunch yeah. of things that make sense. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because as my children, they're they're tweens right now. Um, and there was a book that we were using just as part of celebrating body changes and things like that. And it was a sweet little devotional in there. And one day my kids came to me and they were like, hey, mom, I can't answer these questions. Can you help? And they were questions about like, whose hands do you have? Whose feet do you have? Like, you know, which fingers longer? That kind of thing. And I thought, wow, like, I don't actually know. Like, I didn't, that was not a detail that I thought to record for you, you know, in this process. And so it's really interesting, I think, when we are aware of adoptive families, how that kind of shifts things. And I think especially, I'm thinking earlier as my kids were in elementary school, you know, having a baby photo, that was not something easy for me to provide. And I think sometimes like my initial reaction was a little like, Oh, my goodness, what am I supposed to do this? I'm kind of frustrated. And my husband, who's an educator was like, hold on, like, no one's trying to upset anybody, they don't understand. But like, how can we meet people? Like, how can they participate in this assignment? And part of me is like, I don't want to participate in the assignment, I want to rewrite the assignment, right? Like, I want to make it broader, so that people that maybe don't want to talk about this can find a way to be included, right? That's for everyone. And we all can feel excited and proud of that. Because just even this past week, I was planning some events professionally. And a couple people told me, Marcy, I have zero baby photos. Like that just wasn't something we did in my family that wasn't part of my country. And so as I'm planning a baby shower, we scrapped the entire let's everyone share a baby photo, because it's the same kind of scenario, just a different age group, right? And instead, we're like, we're just all going to talk about our favorite childhood toy. Like that's a little bit more neutral. And everyone had an answer. And so just to be able to learn from people, you know, what, what do you feel comfortable sharing or even what what information do you even have so that you can participate and so i think 
it's an interesting way in our society right now is we're all becoming a bit more aware of different kinds of people. And I'm hoping that narrative about being proud to be adopted and being proud and under, like celebrating that you were in foster care, right? Like it doesn't have to be weird at all. In fact, I think we can plant seeds a lot earlier, elementary, middle school, and high school and help kids see really early in life that like, if you want to go adopt as your plan A, you can do that. And if you want to become a foster parent, you could like, these are things you can aspire, right? When you're really young to do in the future, you don't have to wait until you're an adult to learn about these great things adults can do, right? Yes, yes, that's a uh, that's so awesome. I, I uh, like how you put that. It's great to to yeah to to do that to plant that seed um, at a young age uh, because that's where it starts, and you know you do it then and and get those roots. It's it, we're gonna have a lot more knowledgeable parents and stuff like that um, in the future. Which I mean that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's something like four too. I was in a kindergarten classroom back in May when I launched my reading program and I'm teaching alongside a kindergarten teacher. So I'm reading the book and she's working through my lesson plan. And in my book, as we're reading through Are You Forever Family, it talks about, you know, some families adopt one child and some adopt a group of siblings. And we look at, you know, single adults adopt. And it was so sweet. This little girl raises her hand in the middle of the book and she says, I was adopted. And this little boy next to her goes, why? And the ah. teacher, the teacher knew what to do, right? The teacher was like, we're going to talk about why kids are adopted. She moved the lesson along and the little girl raises her hand. She said, teacher, I would like to share, please. And the teacher said, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. This little girl, this little girl proudly, this kindergartner, she said, well, my mom wanted to have a baby. And in the country that I'm from, that family couldn't care for me. So I got to move here and be adopted. And so I have a mom now. <laughs> and it was just the sweetest thing to see, right? All that come together. One, yeah. she knew she knew her story, right? And man, was she proud to share yeah. that story. And then three, like, what's so cool to me, because some people think, well, oh, you have to be married. You have to be a homeowner. You don't. Oh, you have to have a lot of money. You don't. In fact, foster care adoption, the financial investment you're going to make is somewhere between $0, that's Z-E-R-O, to $2,500. And so people, I often have people come to me saying, Marcy, I Googled it and like, I don't have the 30 grand. And I'm like, well, that's okay because not every option costs 30 grand. Like if your heart is in this to help a child heal and thrive and you can help them unpack their lives and help them find out their gifts and use them, like you can adopt through foster care, right? Like the, the state covers medical insurance until they're 18. So any of those things that you're like, well, I don't have money for this. It's like, you don't have to worry about that. That's not the point is raise the child, like raise That's the it. child and love the child. Don't worry about the money. That's not the barrier in the foster care adoption space at all. That's huge. And I, I love you sharing that with them because that, that's another big thing. I mean, for myself, not knowing that that's great information and as well for our listeners, knowing that, that that's not a barrier and bring your heart and your time. And as well as you said, uh, the resources are there to, for you to find it, be able to adopt. So that's huge. 100%. 100%. Because that's the thing, right? You Google and you get all these, these are things you have to think about. And it's like, but that's not actually how it is, which is why I wrote the forgotten adoption option. Because I'm just like, people need to understand that this is a decision you make with your heart. This isn't a decision you're making with your finances at all. This is, am I willing to modify my life? Am I willing to help a child get the therapies they need and the supports they need and to help them unpack what they've been through? Yes. That's funny that you said Googling things because it's just like when when somebody's sick and they Google something, what what is what do I have? And it comes up with the worst thing. All these <laughs> worst case scenarios. And yes. it's kind of like the same thing with foster care and adoption, you Google it and it comes up with all these worst case scenarios and how much things are going to cost. But it's really, like you said, it comes down to, 
are you willing to give your time and your heart to help these kids? Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. That's amazing. All right. I think that's all we have, Marcy. I think, um, if you don't mind, I want to give a little education, like a couple sentences. Because one thing we didn't talk about with foster care adoption is if listeners are thinking, I want to go adopt through foster care. What they're probably going to do is they're going to Google and Google's going to tell you to contact that agency somehow local to you in your county or your state. And you're going to call them and you're going to be like, I want to adopt through foster care. And in fact, I even found this website called the Heart Gallery of America. And I have identified the child or the sibling group I want to adopt. And that's like, awesome. Here's the challenge. I would say maybe at least 50% or more of the time, you're going to contact that agency and they're going to say, oh, great, we need foster parents. And you're going to be like, but I want to do adopt. And they're going to say, yeah, but we need foster parents right now. And so what I want to educate your listeners on is if you're feeling called to adopt through foster care, you can. But there's a bit of grit in doing so. And this is why I say that. So in the United States, you can go on a website called Heart Gallery of America and you can view some of the children who legally are in foster care, like living in a foster home or living in a residential facility that are legally a ward of their state until either A, you or I adopt them or they age out of the system. And we call these waiting children. In the entire country, there's 113,000 children that are waiting. 113,000. And they are available. The challenge is, you're first, you're going to go pick one or four out, or you know, maybe 10, something group, a large sibling group. So two, two things I just want to inform listeners on. One, it's okay to look online and browse profiles. It's such a healthy thing to like wonder. But for the most part, if you fall in love with like adopting that particular child or sibling group, you're probably not going to adopt that child or that sibling group because someone else might already be in motion for that. So just like have your heart open to this is inspiring me, but this might not be my exact path. The other thing listeners should know is when you call that agency and you want to get licensed, they might tell you we don't do that. We don't license to adopt or you can't do that. And that's okay because that's very normal. But there are agencies that will license you to adopt through foster care. And so I just want to inform your listeners on that because sometimes getting started in the space is met with a lot of brick walls. And that's where I step in and have resources for families to help you know how to work through kind of the red tape and the process. Um, Because I've done it. I've adopted through foster care. And it's unfortunate that it's difficult to do this because there's so many kids that need to be adopted. But I just want to encourage your listeners, if your heart is stirred to adopt through foster care, you absolutely can. And I have laid it all out for you. My free app, um, the Forgotten Adoption Option app is there for you and walks you all through it. And if I can help in any way, I'm just a message on social platforms away. Thank Thank you you. so much. Yeah. I wanted to equip your listeners. So if they're like, I want to go do this and they Google, they're going to, they're going to get steered a little bit left instead of straight. I'm glad that you can't, you brought that up too, because it is true that they just, most agencies are like, Oh no, just foster care. We, that's all we need, but you do need the other, you do need that adoption side of it. Exactly. And when we only direct families to foster, the kids that are waiting get older and age out. And we we don't want that, right? We want kids mm-hmm. to have family to grow up in. And you can Google too, like, what are the statistics of kids that age out of foster care? You have unemployment, homeless. I mean, you list the stuff like it's, 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 it's sad. And it's, you don't need to have that future over your life when it's simply just someone being able to adopt you and help you work through the the past that you've had and the future that you're walking into. Yeah, those statistics need to come down. Yes, they do. All they do. It. They absolutely do. And we can do, you guys are doing that right now. You're helping with that by helping people see this opportunity and know how to move in it. Well, thank you. And you're helping people through it too. 
Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you I'm are. I'm trying. My husband won't let me. I'm like, I've always wanted a huge family. I come from a very big family. And so the, our joke was when we first uh, filled up paperwork, because when you adopt through foster care, they ask like, well, what ages and how many kids? And I was like, can I put like 10 down? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if like, that's the real number, but like, I love this idea. And he was like, are you going to have a bus? Like Marcy, yeah. <laughs> and my family, I have three sisters. So I was like, well, let's do like four. And he looked at me and he was like, my max is two. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, okay, okay. So to me, I was like, we're going to get two together. Because for me, if I ever would have been separated from my siblings, I don't know what I would have done. And and I've learned in doing this work, how common it is for siblings to be separated and how common it is for teenagers to kind of be the last ones to get adopted for various reasons. And so I'm like, I'm so glad we went the path we did because it's helping us understand where the need is. But then on top of it, what's so cool is I'm like, okay, I don't think we're adopted, <laughs> at least at this stage. But if I can teach other people to do what I've done, we can have such an impact on mm -hmm. our nation and on the future of our youth. If we can just teach people like, here's an opportunity and here's how to do it. Yes, that's, that's, that's it. So awesome. I'm so proud of uh, being able to to talk to you today and uh, for all the information you gave our listeners as well as myself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so welcome. 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 It's been a treat. I've really been energized by having this conversation. Well, thank you so much, Marcy, for sharing your stories and sharing sharing your time with our listeners today. Happy to. And again, I'm, I'm just a message away on social. It's just Marcy Bursack, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I deliberately carve out of time in my schedule. I have a corporate job by day, but I carve out time. I've really focused. Some people have like some time where they volunteer here or there, do different things. I have put all of my time into this. So if you have questions, you can literally ask me anything. I really want to help you get your heart discerned on if this is for you and if it is how to get through the process. And where can our listeners find your podcast? Oh, man, I'm like Apple and Google. I'm all the places. So, it's just the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. Yeah. So kind of like how we are, too. We're on all those, too. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want everything at one spot, you're like, Marcy, I, you just you gave lots of great resources, but where do I find them all? If you just go to forgottenadoptionoption.com, you'll find my books, you'll find my podcast, you'll find my reading program, you'll find all the links to connect to me on social. So it's just like a one-stop place. That's good to know. Yeah. I have episodes that drop monthly. I'm in my third season and I've been teaching people kind of how to be an adoptive family. I have people that are interviewed that did adopt through foster care that were adopted. I've even had people that are adults now that aged out of the foster care system, which to me has been one of my most endearing allies. When I hear from adults that age out of the system that reach out and say, Marcy, I am so grateful for what you're doing. And and I love that connection space there, but it breaks my heart too, that I'm like, oh, I wish I would have started sooner because man, like I, I, I don't want there to be kids aging out of the system. I want there to be kids that can have a family. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. I'm, I'm just going to pray us out then. Uh, we, Like I said, appreciate for all the time and thank you for, for all that uh, information. Oh, I just want to thank you, Jesus, uh, for me and Craig, as well as Marcy. Uh, thank you for all the information. We just thank you for uh, giving us the time today with her. And we just ask for her words to spread as well as ours just to help somebody in need and as well as give people information um, that they maybe couldn't receive. And I ask you just, just to be with that and you bless those words. Uh, we thank you for everything you do for us. And we ask you just to put your hands on her podcast and spread it like a wildfire as well as ours. And we just thank you for everything you do for us on a daily. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.